Welcome to Fitsby Radio. Slip on your minimal sneakers, notch your headphones into your ears, tuck your smartphone into your pocket, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or just grab a cup of your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch a bit while we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. You guys ready? Yes. All right. Born ready. Born ready. I love that. I I love your first one though. Like I wish I could just say all those things. I know. That is so bad. Hey everybody, welcome to Fit to Be Radio. My name is Chris Benke. I'll be your host today. I'm with here with Beth Learn. She's the CEO and founder of Fit to Be Studio. We also have a guest that's been on our podcast before. Very excited to talk to her again, Michelle Lyons. Thank you for spending time with us again uh, today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Chris. Um, delighted to, to spend time with you and Beth again and honored to be asked back. Yes. Thank you for, for doing that. The last podcast we did was fantastic. Um, it was one of my favorite that we've done so far. Um, but for those oh, people that chicken. have not, yeah, the rubber chicken. For those of you that have not seen the last one, check the show notes. We'll put the link. Um, but also, Michelle, where are you located in the world? We want to make sure everybody gets the full grasp of this. So I am in the middle of Ireland, quite literally. Um, if you put a pin in the middle of the map of Ireland, you will probably hit my house. Um, so I'm about an hour, hour and a half outside of Dublin which is yep. our capital city, but um, it's, it's, where I, it's where I lay my head when I'm not gallivanting around the world teaching and talking about mm-hmm. all things pelvic health. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, and, uh, and so today, we're going to talk about something interesting that people don't <laughs> like to talk about, which is weird because every human on earth, all 7 billion, mm-hmm. uh, have to deal with this. Absolutely. Beth, why don't you introduce us to the topic today? All right. Are you ready? <laughs> if you have little boys listening, they're going to love this. Poop. So. We're going to talk about poop and how it affects our cores and how we do it affecting our cores and how not doing it affects our cores. Yeah, absolutely. Even more important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're, so we're going to dive right into the interesting topic of uh constipation and and how that affects and why it matters um, why it matters (laughs) i mean at the surface um it's like well of course there's pressure it's gonna matter but i i don't think that everyone grasps grasps the full effect that um these other health issues can have on the pelvic floor so just at the high level um michelle what are what are we looking at what are you what are you what are we talking about so, you know, I just, I, I laughed when you were introducing it, uh, Chris, because you were saying that not everybody likes to, or hardly anybody likes to talk about this. This is one of my favorite things to talk about, you know, um, much to the delight of my teenage daughter. You know, I have, um, I have a little handbag size, you know, Bristol stool scale that I bring with me everywhere and any opportunity to talk about good bowel health, I am there. I'm your girl. Mm-hmm. So, it's really, it's so essential on so many different levels. If you are a new mum with diastasis, if you are dealing with back pain, whether you're a man or a woman, if you have, um, you know, if you have endometriosis, if you have irritable bowel disease, constipation is one of those things that, you know, we don't really think about our bowels and having a regular bowel movement right. until we can't. And mm. then, you know, Everything literally is affected. You know, there's some really exciting research going on now about the effects of bowel health on mental health, Um, you know, ranging anywhere from depression, anxiety to autism, even, you know, mental health, you know, all the way from, again, depression, anxiety, but even, you know, some interesting research going with schizophrenia and and our our bowel health, our microbiome, that colony of happy, healthy bacteria that live within us. So it's really, really important that we, we think about our digestive system as essentially two ends of, of a tube. You know, we've got our mouth, everything's going in, you know, the food is brought down into our stomach. We start that digestive process as soon as we start chewing to break it down. Food goes into our stomach, the acid is going to break it down a little bit more, and then it transitions into our small intestine. Mm-hmm. And that's where really most of the nutrient absorption is happening. But then the most important part of the journey is, I think, when it makes its way into the large intestine or the bowel or the colon. And -hmm. that's really where it's all about waste removal and Mm -hmm. getting rid of what we don't need, whether it's 
waste food products, excess hormones. So good bowel health, really important for somebody with a hormonally driven cancer like breast cancer. It's essential that they have good bowel movements as part of the recovery strategy as well. So it really informs all of the women's health topics that we we in this group are, are all passionate about talking about. And, and yet it has this air of mystery and a little bit of stigma and embarrassment about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we can go all the way from constipation where we can't have a bowel movement to, to fecal incontinence where we can't control leaking mm-hmm. from our back mm-hmm. passage. And fecal incontinence affects one in five women over the age of 40. One in five. Oh, yeah. That's 20%. Wow. It's a lot. And it's not talked about to the same degree that, that even urinary incontinence is talked about. We've all seen those ads on TV, you know, for Depends and Tenna, and everybody's happy in their incontinence pads, you know, dancing around <laughs> and going off on motorbikes and, you know, uh, having a great time with incontinence. And, you know, life is not always like that. But nobody talks about bowel incontinence. So we're really looking at two ends of the spectrum, really. And what we're aiming for is to get somebody back into a normal, happy, healthy bowel routine which the Rome 4 criteria will describe as, you know, anywhere from having three bowel movements a week to three bowel movements a day. Those are your parameters for normal bowel health. Okay. But I think, you know, aiming for one a day is a good, it's a good place to start. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I heard that, that, you know, going every other day would be fine. And I was like, what? how is that fine? That would be so uncomfortable for me. Yes. Okay. Like, that's and definitely uncomfortable for my husband. I mean, he's he's a definitely three three or four per day type dude. I'm like twice a day. Chris, how about you? Come uh, on. It varies, I guess. He's not giving me anything. He has so much dirt on me. I have nothing on him. He Chris, never... the least you can do is tell us about your bowel habits. Really, you know, we're all friends here. <laughs> uh, all of or it's not. running through or my not. head. All of it's running through my head right now. <laughs> I would say it's a twice a day endeavor for me. <laughs> endeavor. That's excellent. That's excellent. You know? And I think that's really good because if you think about how many times do we eat a day, you know, for most yeah. of us, it's three times a day. Mm-hmm. So if we've got three, you know, installments of food coming in, we have to make sure that we're getting rid of what we don't need. Mm-hmm. At the end, you know, otherwise things get backed up. We start reabsorbing. Uh, those hormones, excess estrogen particularly, that our body's trying to get rid of. And when it's reabsorbed, it's actually usually in a slightly more toxic form as well. So Mm. it affects everything structurally, mentally, hormonally. um, Happy, healthy bowels are essential. So what you're saying is that when things get stuck in our colon, our our large intestine, the the secondary intestine before everything exits, things get stuck, there's a blockage. that's supposed to be an exit area, but instead when it gets stuck, things actually start getting reabsorbed into our system that our yeah. body is trying to send out of our system. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So it's, you know, our bodies are so intelligently designed, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's astonishing and they have a huge capacity to fix themselves. But the two main drivers of constipation are when the transit through the bowel is too slow and too much water gets reabsorbed then the stool can become really hard and dry and difficult to pass. Mm-hmm. And the other big driver of constipation is actually pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. So mm-hmm. the muscles okay. are There's overactive, the too short and tight. I mean, you know me, you know the pelvic floor muscles are going to be the answer to everything. Yes, but, that's what we're here for. That's why we have you on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> to feed the obsession. Yes. <laughs> so the two drivers are slow transit and pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, but... The good news is we have nice research showing that if you deal with the pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, that actually that can improve transit time as well. So mm-hmm. it's a win-win situation with happy, healthy pelvic floor muscles. Right. Because they're not sitting there bunching up and clenching and trying to hold things in. They shouldn't be, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, they should be, you know, they should be able to function without us thinking too much about them. But we should also be able to exert a little bit of um, of override as well, you know, and to get that coordination between muscles that are contracting, but also relaxing and lengthening and letting go um, right. you know, when, when we're having a bowel movement. So, you know, straining to have a bowel movement is is not a good thing when it comes to women's health issues, you know, particularly if we're thinking about um, pelvic pain diagnoses, but stress incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, those issues because that can really exert a huge downward force 
and be quite stressful for the fascia and connective tissue, keeping your pelvic organs where they're supposed to be. Right. Oh, okay. I I have a story. Excuse me. Hold on. Excuse me. Goodness. Got a frog in my throat this morning. Um, I was recently doing Portland to coast relay and it's three legs, Mm -hmm. uh, over basically the course of 24 hours. I had about 19 miles total to do. Wow. Um, and you know, when you're on a race and you're in a van with other women for about, uh, we were in 27 hours on the race and several hours on either side of the race, you know, your, your body gets a little bit mixed up in its timing, the, the, the normal timing of events, right? The events we're discussing are the events of bowel movements. Um, and so, you know, and, 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 and you're eating differently a little bit, you're on the road, uh, you're, I'm not sleeping. All right. So all the normal things that go into my normal routine are are out of place. And every year I experience the same thing, but this year I experienced something a little different. Um, and I, I think it'll be something good for you to comment on. So I'm feeding it into you. So our listeners can hear this throwing myself on the altar, the TMI altar for the sake of other women around the world. This is my personal sacrifice to you. you. (laughs) Um, so, So, you know, I'm approaching my third leg and I still hadn't had any results, if you know what I mean. Right. But I can feel like my body, okay, I need to go before I start my leg because otherwise it's going to really stink. I'm going to get halfway through my leg and there we could have some problems. And so, you know, I go visit the, the, the blue honey bucket, you know, which by the way, on the inside of the honey bucket, they they encourage people to take selfies inside the honey buckets. Now they're like, take a selfie. And I'm like, what? So I'm staring at this. No, I'm not taking a selfie in the honey bucket. What on earth? What kind of a social? That's level two social media right there. I'm not going to that level. I mean, I might take one outside the honey bucket, but I am not taking one inside. I mean, I suppose a headshot, but okay. Anyways, so I'm sitting there and, um, and you know, this is my body's not ready, but I am trying to get my body ready because I think I need to be ready, but I'm really not ready. So I, you know, I'm doing a little, little extra pushing and things like that, you know, to, I'm implementing all the methods I've ever learned. You know, they say, you give a little grunt. I've heard, you know, I, right. There's little things. You, she, <laughs> whoever was standing outside was like, what on earth is going on in there? Oh, uh, they knew. <laughs> Well, I heard, it was actually what was funny is you could hear other sounds down the line. You know, there's oh, a really long line of honey buckets. Yeah, like 20 of them side by side at these race exchanges. Wow. Um, nothing. Then I, I, I go and I, I do my leg. And thankfully, when I was done, then everything materialized. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but then the next couple of days, um, I started having a little bit of trouble with, um, I, won't, I won't say incontinence, but um, just things felt heavier and things felt more sensitive. And, um, and when I was walking the next couple of days, it just felt more heavy. And there was a little bit of urinary leakage and I was like, dang it. Cause I knew, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that it goes back to that. And it was like, I was trying to force my body to do something it wasn't ready for. And, and it got better. I did some, I did some of my kegels. And I did some of my transverse holds and connected and did all the things. And I know to do those things, but for the women who don't know that, and they're in a similar situation, what would you tell them? So I would say, you know, prevention is always easier, obviously. Um, And the thing is, whenever we travel, you know, people may find that their bowels just shut down a little bit because Mm -hmm. your bowel is very emotionally sensitive, but it's very much a creature of habit as well. It loves to go in the same toilet, in the same bathroom at the same time every day. It loves routine. So whenever Mm -hmm. you travel, your bowel is what's going on? Why are we here? I better hold on to everything just in case. <laughs> you know? Dash this stuff just in case. We might need it, you know, who knows? <laughs> so well, literally, like you said, that might need to be reabsorbed. So there's that aspect of it. So, you know, a good strategy for, for avoiding that in the first place, you know, is to get into a really good bowel routine, particularly um, for, say, the week or so before you leave home. So that might be something like having a shot glass of prune juice before you go to bed at night. You wake up in the morning. You um, hopefully have somebody bring you a warm beverage in bed. Um, you know, uh, coffee is great. Coffee is a great bowel stimulant. Oh, wait. Then, show us your coffee cup. Oh, this is my special <laughs> coffee cup for today. I don't know if you can see it. It's a nice little Bristol stool scale, you know, which we can talk about. Um, so it's. 
if you can have a cup of coffee, but any warm beverage will st start to stimulate the reflex and you do a little abdominal massage while you're waiting for somebody to bring you your warm beverage. And then you start to get some nice gurgling noises. Uh, so that, that's called borborygmus. And that Bor gurgling means that action is about to happen. Borborygmus. I know. The homeschool yeah. mom in me is like, can you spell that? That's going to be a vocabulary word. Yes, wow. I can. B-O-R-B-O-R-Y-G-M-U-S. <laughs> that will be a test. B-O-R-Y-G-M-U-S. Yes, ma'am. All right. The maybe sounds that, are stomach Maybe that should be the title of the, this episode of the podcast. I don't know. The one about Borborygmus. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to the bathroom once you get the urge to go, and then you sit down on the toilet and you prop your feet up so your knees are just a little bit higher than your hips. Oh, yeah, that's another thing about those honey buckets. Yeah. There's nothing to prop your feet nowhere on. To go. There's nowhere to go. And they're high. The little, they the, are, the, they're too high. You know, even squatty potties can be quite high for some people. And that can actually, you know, it, it can have the opposite effect that it's supposed to. Mm. So you yeah. were doing a lot of things right. You were, you know, you were making noises, which is really good. <laughs> you want to, you know, yes. Making a noise means that you're not putting so much downward pressure on your mm -hmm. pelvic floor. You're doing a little bit of oh. abdominal bracing, but not so much that you're going to stress your pelvic floor. Interesting. Um, but I think the missing piece of this particular picture was <clears throat> your bowel needs to be relaxed to let go. So yeah. you know how we talk about your fight or flight syndrome, you know, uh, symptoms, your sympathetic overdrive. Your parasympathetic is your rest and digest. And that's yeah. where your bowel needs to be. So it was yeah. feeling the pressure maybe with you a little bit. Well, yeah, because, and, and, and that is such a good insight because, you know, I'm getting ready to do a leg and I've got my flashies on and I've got my vest and I've got my phone. I'm trying not to drop it in the honey bucket. And, I, you know, and I've got like half an hour until the next walker comes in and I've got to be hurry, ready. Hurry. And I will okay. get, and of course that's not relaxing. No, no. The other piece in your particular picture, Beth, as well, may have been that you were running. and Race walking, but yes, and there still okay. is, but there still is, there is impact to race walking. Yeah. And so in my pelvic floor, like leg three does get a bit tired. I mean, 19 yeah. miles and that heel strike can be a little bit of a pound. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I know I've had a third degree tear with my son. And yeah. even though everything is healed up and there's no sign of prolapse, that still comes back to bite me Good. sometimes. Yeah. When, when you are race walking, but particularly when you're running, your, your large intestine is attached to your psoas muscles, which are, you know, those big lumbar stability yeah. hip flexor muscles. So if they're doing a lot of pumping, oh yeah, you know, what can happen is sometimes we have a little bit of decreased blood supply to, to the bowel and that can, that can be quite stressful for your bowel as well. So it can just be one of those situations where your bowel's just feeling a little bit perturbed by everything <laughs> that was happening, you know? Perturbed, yeah. That makes sense. You know, we talk about how exercise improves circulation, yeah. but it improves circulation to the muscles. Of course, it's going to pull that from other things around. If it's, it's, if it's, if it's endurance exercise, you know, yeah. particularly it's, endurance running, because we see so many marathon runners, you know, having having diarrhea, you know, during, during races. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's never happened to me. I am very grateful for that. That's that is not... But it has, you know, I, it has happened to friends and, and what amazes me is how they're like, eh, just, that's just normal. You know, just, that's just normal. It's really, not. it's really not. Yeah. They have rules in the race handbook because it does happen so frequently. Literally one of the, no pooping in people's yards because people, <laughs> that is a good rule. Def, desperate runners will just pull off to Go. the side and find mm -hmm. the bush. And it's like, mm -hmm. you will be disqualified. <laughs> Or arrested, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to be so, desperate. You know, you, and the other thing I think as well, sometimes participants in endurance events like that as well may be tempted to hydrate with energy drinks. Mm. And that, you know, sometimes just water is your best choice because a lot of those energy drinks, you know, the blue ones have a lot of additives and added sugars and sweeteners and things like that. That can, that can just be another layer of stress for your poor old bowel as well. Well, and so, stimulants, right? Stimulants, caffeine, yeah. they can irritate. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think 
to to kind of stop problems before they start you know those strategies that we talked about in terms of maybe a week before race day you know starting to set up a good routine so your bowel is ready to go in the morning and the one thing that i've added lately that i really see making a big cha- a big difference with with the women that i'm teaching this to is mm-hmm. when they're doing their abdominal massage to use an essential oil like lavender or something mm-hmm. like that because then what happens if you're in a situation where you can't actually do the abdominal massage, but you can smell the lavender, your brain is like, oh, I know what that means. It's time to get ready to poop, oh, wow. you know, <laughs> because our, our olfactory yeah. system, you know, ties yeah. into it. our brain and our bowels just love that element of routine. So you can mm-hmm. you can kind of trick your bowel into thinking, OK, come on, it's game time now. And, uh, you, you know, it's it's time to go to the bathroom before we before we hit the road for this race. Well, and what you're talking about is conditioned response. Mm-hmm. 100%, absolutely. Which mm-hmm. could be a problem if you're like walking around the soap aisle or something and then you smell the <laughs> lavender. And... Choose your smell carefully, I would suggest. Choose <laughs> it carefully, yes. I don't know. Oh, that's good. So you're saying like you kind of build a conditioned response the week yes. before. So your body knows, okay, hey, look, when she starts massaging us and she starts drinking the warm beverage and we smell the lavender, that means so and if I'm on a race really that that should kick in a couple hours maybe even two or three hours prior to the race ideally I think it's great you know if you can your bowel is trainable because remember when you were a little itty bitty baby you know you had no control over your bowel or your bladder but you learned it you know you were taught Mm -hmm. how to control it so your bowel is trainable and if you can start getting into the habit of having a nice bowel movement before you leave the house in the morning you know Mm -hmm. kind of just sets you up for a really good day yes absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. so you know regularity you know eating well drinking plenty of water exercise you know a 20 minute walk every day has been shown to be really really good in terms of managing constipation mm-hmm. doing some gentle yoga twists things like that yeah. but it's um it's about listening to your body just tuning into it giving it what it needs and uh, listening and obeying its mm-hmm. commands yeah and when you get that urge to have a bowel movement, don't put it off. Yeah. Okay. You know what? You, you mentioned that um, briefly and I think it was our last podcast and that was when we were like, Hey, we need to have you back. Um, you know, when it comes to the need to urinate and, and holding that off the first time you feel it with a couple of quick giggles, a couple of quick flicks, sure. um, the knack, you know, yes. that, that little, oop, nope, pulling everything back in. Um, but when it comes to, yep. When it comes to, um, the urge to go number two, um, yep. and I'm using lots of different words cause I like using lots of different words for things. Uh, yep. that is an urge that you shouldn't put off. And I thought that was so clear. That's such a clear guideline. And I've been implementing that, um, even with my kids, yeah. um, and right. you know, oh, mom, I gotta go. Okay. What, what do you need to do? Okay. Yeah. You need to go do that. Oh no. Calmly. You can wait. No, don't you can wait five minutes. You can yeah. wait five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because my son is like, I gotta go. <laughs> no drama at all. <laughs> no, not none with that one. I don't know where he gets that. Can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you have about a ten or a fifteen minute window. You know, when you have that urge to have a bowel movement. But for people who who consistently put off to, the urge to have a bowel movement, that can actually be a driver for developing constipation as well Mm. because your bowel isn't designed as a storage unit you know things move in and things are supposed to move out in a fairly timely fashion whereas your bladder is a storage unit you know you can you can defer that urge to urinate you know you should be able to wait two three hours in between trips to urinate but when your bowel is telling you it's time to go empty then listen and obey you know you've Mm -hmm. got 15 minutes calmly you know don't panic don't rush um (laughs) But make your way calmly there. Do it, you know. Do yeah. What, you're what are what are some good cues for when when you don't when you're not near a toilet and you really do need to go poo, yeah. um, but you, but you're not near one and you need to have some good visuals for controlling that. What what are some good cues for holding everything up and in? So you know, one of the most effective strategies that we have for for that, you know, voluntary control over our bowel is to do a nice sustained pelvic floor muscle contraction. So if you visualize around the anus, you're going to close and lift and you're going to try and hold that for about 
20 to 30 seconds because that sustained lift in around the sphincter muscles signals to your body, no, we're not going to do this right now. And it will just move things, you know, a little bit further back up the channel, out of the way, out of the danger zone for leakage, hopefully. And uh, it will just give you that element of control. The one caveat I will say, though, with that is you don't want to do that too often, first of all. Right, right. If you're having very liquid stool, if you're more towards the diarrhea end of the spectrum, it's really, really hard to control that. You know, mm-hmm. your, your your rectum can't really deal too well with diarrhea. So that's an, that's not an uncommon cause for people who are normally completely continent. When they have diarrhea, they may experience a little bit of leakage because right. your body's just trying to get rid of something super fast. Get it out, get it out. So just to, to bear that in mind that if you are in the midst of a diarrhea episode, you know, that would be a good time to really listen closely to what your bowel is telling you and maybe not try to put it off. But mm-hmm. start thinking about just finding somewhere to uh, to let it go. Let it go. Sorry, I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I triggered you. Uh, so what you mentioned endometriosis. Yeah. And, and we've also we've also touched on diastasis, diastasis. Yep. Uh what what are those connections between constipation and those things? So well, first of all, we know that with, with back pain, just even general back pain, we know that um, from the, the Australian Women's Health, the longitudinal study that Michelle Smith did back with Paul Hodges uh, around between 2007 and 2012, what they discovered was that for everybody, men and women, that back pain is more closely linked to breathing and continence than it is to BMI or level of activity. But when you look specifically at women and back pain, you can really narrow it down to breathing, bladder control, and bowel health. With you know, uh, those are the three big things that are really connected between moon and back pain, much more so than obesity or lack of exercise. When it comes to endometriosis, one you know, we we think of endometriosis as you know pain that might start out as period pain and then it can become constant. We know about the fertility issues. But if you talk to women who have endo, they will often describe what you know what they call endo belly. And it's often misdiagnosed as IBS, but women with endometriosis, because of the way the endometriosis implants can get laid down in and around the bowel, can actually suffer from quite significant bloating and constipation. And oh, I bet. Yeah, I've seen that. Can really ramp up their pelvic pain as well, which means their pelvic floor muscles become more active, overactive, and then that whole cycle of pain continues. So for, for those women that we work with, you know, with endo, it's really important that we teach them about good bowel health, you know, what they're eating, how they're absorbing nutrients, but then how they're eliminating the other end as well. So teaching them, you know, those, those simple strategies that I've talked about here, maybe might not be the first thing on everybody's mind in terms of their medical providers when they're, when they're working with these women, but it's essential. And particularly after they've had their laparoscopic excision surgeries, because after you have a surgery, any laparoscopic surgery, there are four little tiny incisions in the abdominal wall. But what they do is they fill your abdominal cavity with CO2 so they can get good visuals of the organs as they're doing the excision surgery. Um, and they put you in a reverse Trendelenburg position. So your head is down low and your feet are up high. So your diaphragm can become a little bit flared as well. So what can happen is we have something called post-op ileus where the the bowel just stops. It's like it's it's freaked out. There's all this extra gas in here. It's uncomfortable. It's irritated. And people just feel like really uncomfortable with all that trapped gas in there as well. Mm-hmm. So simple things to get things moving again include strategies like making sure somebody has some chewing gum with them when they go into hospital. Chewing gum actually really improves gut motility. Um, sitting in a rocking chair really, really helps as well. So you could multitask. You could chew gum in a rocking chair. And hey. Win-win situation, you know, as well as all the other strategies. Simple things often make the biggest difference, though, Beth, I find. And -hmm. sometimes the things that are obvious to us as clinicians aren't obvious or well-known to to normal people. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I think conversations like this are really, really important, that we we help. Yeah, for sure. it's, It's one of those things that it can make the world of difference between a speedy, or an annoying post-op recovery, you know, after your your lapros- laparoscopic surgery, and that that would apply, you know, whether you're having a hysterectomy or laparoscopic excision for endo, 
gallbladder removal, any laparoscopic abdominal pelvic surgery that that little tip would apply to. So really, really important. I mean, we know the dietary aspect of managing the inflammation associated with endometriosis is absolutely vital. But mm. that bloating and bowel stagnation is, is something that responds really well to a little bit of focused care from us. Mm. Well, in that bloating piece, that plays into diastases for sure. Oh, huge. Well, it's all about pressure management, isn't mm -hmm. it? You know, with, yeah. when we got that separation, and how are we challenging the linea alba, you know, in that postnatal period, if we're having to strain to have a bowel movement? You know, yeah, how, yeah. how are we going to restore integrity to the linea alba? How are we going to narrow that <coughs> if we're if we're straining every day to have a bowel movement? Right. Um, so it's it's just it's so integral to to all those aspects of of women's pelvic health that that you and I love to talk about. And now Chris loves to talk mm -hmm. about too. <laughs> yes, I do. It's my favorite thing. If, if Chris had known, sometimes I wonder, like Chris, if you had, I didn't know. Like if you had asked me when we first launched Fit to Be almost eight years ago to the day, so October 1st, we're recording this on September 11th, 2018. So 2018, October 1st will be eight years for us. Um, I had no intentions of discussing the pelvic floor. I was, I didn't, I just wanted to do lunges and teach women about their cores. I mean, I in was the, never I didn't have a poop podcast. I'll tell you. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it's part of it. You start talking about the core, the pelvic floor is part of it. It it's is part of it. a huge part of it. And, uh, and so you know, if, if the bowel is unhappy, you know, the bowel and the bladder love to talk to each other. So if somebody's dealing with pelvic organ prolapse, if somebody's dealing with urge incontinence, incontinence or just even frequency urgency issues with their bladder health, one of the first questions I'm going to ask them is, are you constipated? Because mm. that can be a major, major driver of bladder dysfunction as well. So it's, it's just, it's so fundamental to everything in the realm of pelvic health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned like that bearing down, mm. um, bearing down and bloating. So you feel, it's almost like this vicious circle. You, yeah. you're bloated, you can't poop, you know, you need to poop. So you go sit and you bear down. Yeah. Now you've got bloating and bearing down. And usually when people bear down and women are told to bear down when they're in labor, you know, purple pushing, hold your oh. breath and push. Um, no. Why is that such a recipe for disaster? You tell us. Well, we know, I mean, if we just look at, at the labor and delivery part of it, first of all, the research tells us that that sort of directed pushing um, decreases oxygen to moms. It decreases mm. oxygen to the baby and it increases pelvic floor damage. So the research say, you know, says that we, we should not be telling women in labor to do that, you know, to take that deep breath, tuck your chin in and push and bear down. But what's frightening is that, you know, the research also tells us that the average length of time it takes for the published evidence to filter down into clinical practice is 17 years. Oh, that's yeah. so discouraging. Wow. I'm sorry. Well, hopefully we just set it up. These conversations are important. Yes. Because I, we can help spread the word. Yes. So that's not okay. Yeah. So, so we, we, we kind of glossed over it earlier, but, um, the proper way to push both in birth and when you're po po pooping po 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 <laughs> is to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Really important. So making noises really, really important. So Beth, I'm going to get you to do a little experiment for me. Okay. Do I, do I need Promise. to be on the toilet? No, no, you can just stay in your chair. <laughs> in your chair Chris okay. like not thank the, the Lord toilet. not on the toilet <laughs> please don't please don't go to the toilet oh, good. Um, so I want you to sit in your chair and put your two feet flat on the ground okay okay because this is important because if the two feet are flat on the ground then your pelvic floor muscles can relax because we've got a nice closed kinetic chain so they don't have to worry about contributing to your stability okay okay now, I like that what I want you to do for me first of all is I want you to take a deep breath in Exhale and relax your pelvic floor. Okay, nice and relaxed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get you to take another breath in. And this time as you exhale, Beth, I'm going to get you to close your anus and lift up and in. Okay. And now okay. relax your pelvic floor again. So you can tell the difference between a nice relaxed pelvic floor. <laughs> Chris, stop laughing. Floor. Chris, don't, don't make me include you in this, in this conversation. Right now I'm, I'm letting you out of it. No, make him, make him, make him do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay so are you ready for the next phase yes 
Okay, what I want you to do, Beth, I'm going to get you to make a couple of different noises. <laughs> Chris? And well, I'm just I'm participating. will be maintained, obviously. Okay. He's taking pictures. I know, but, you know, that's okay. He's in this with us. It's okay. Yes, We're spreading the word. So the first, I want when you're making these noises, Beth, I want you to pay attention to what your pelvic floor is doing. Is it tightening? Or is it lengthening? Okay. All right. And everybody who's listening, you're in this with me. Okay. Don't leave me. Absolutely. Don't leave me high and dry. Literally. Together. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully high and dry. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, wait a second. That's actually good. That's what I want. <laughs> okay. So the first noise you're going to make for me, I want you to imagine that you're a big, angry mama bear in the woods. So you're going to give me a big, strong grrr. Now, before you do it, before you do it, the noise has to be emphatic enough that I actually, you actually feel your abdominals kicking in. Okay. okay. You've got, got to it. growl at me like you mean it. Okay. So All one, right. two, three. Like that. That was, that was pretty good. That was an angry bear. Good. <laughs> That's now, the noise I made at my kids the other day. <laughs> that was, that would be another good analogy to use. Yes. We'll stick with angry bears for now. <sighs> what happened to your pelvic floor as you made that noise? Did it, did it tighten or did it open? It tightens along okay. with, along with my abs, more on my left side. Okay. I don't okay. know what we'll that's about, that but it was, I felt it more on my left side. That's fine. Have you got an even weight on both your sit bones there? Yes. Good. Okay. The next noise I want you to make for me is you're trying to, um, you're trying to listen to a podcast and your kids are arguing and you tell them to go, shh. Now, again, okay. a nice emphatic shush, you know, so again, those abs are kicking in for me. Okay. Shh. Okay. How did you, how did your pelvic floor feel doing that? Did it tighten or did it lengthen? I'm going to do it again. Hold on. Okay. Now give it give a little bit of a longer shush. Okay. Okay. Shh. Yeah. Tightened for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what I want you to, I want you to hiss at me like you're a snake. So again. <laughs> okay. That feels more relaxed. Good. Me. Okay. Okay. And now for your next trick, I need you to moo. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the funnest podcast. Sad. You're a cow. You're a little bit sad. You're a little bit angry. Okay. Moo like you mean it. Okay. Moo like you mean it. Oh, man. My new favorite quote. <laughs> I'm writing it down, actually. Moo like you mean. Okay. It. So low and slow. Moo. Good. How'd your pelvic floor feel? It felt relaxed. I felt it more in my low core. Okay. Like between my navel and my pubic bone is where I felt that one. You felt that lengthening. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. And just the last one, you know, those big straws that you get for your frozen drinks, you know, during yes. the summer, I want you to make a pretend straw with your hand. Okay. And blow. I felt okay. all of it with that one. Like, Did you feel it all going this way, all lengthening or tightening? I felt it all engaging for me. Okay. But that might be my own overriding because I'm so trained to engage on the exhale. That's fine. No, no, everybody has a particular noise that works best for them in terms of lengthening. So for oh. you, it was maybe the hissing for, for a snake. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the noise that I would encourage you to make when you're having a bowel movement, because when you're having a bowel movement, we want the glottis to stay open. So we're not like taking a deep breath and bearing down, but mm -hmm. we do want a little bit of intra-abdominal pressure from the abdominals to, to right. get that downward movement. And we want your pelvic floor muscles to lengthen out of the way. So okay. everybody has a yeah. noise that works best for them. So we just experiment and find which noise works best for you. For you, it's hissing like a snake. So when you get that urge to go have a bowel movement, you go to the bathroom, you know, you pop your feet up on something, maybe on some yoga blocks, something like that, mm -hmm. something nice and low. You lean forwards with your elbows, you know, your forearms on your knees. I want you to have a nice long spine. So your lower back even goes into a tiny bit of extension because that's going to help get your coccyx out of the way. Right. And then you're going to make that noise that works best for you. You know, two, three minutes, you should have a lovely type four stool, you know, and that's, that's. Wait, yeah, show us on your mug. I'm going to show you. So the, oh, the best type of poop 
is a type four and it's got a really poetic description. It's smooth and soft like a sausage or a snake. Okay. So that okay. is perfect poop. Okay. So you have your type four. When you're finished, you do some quick flicks, just close and release, close and release, close and release around your external anal sphincter. You have a look in the toilet bowl because somebody like me is probably going to ask you what type it was on a Bristol stool scale, but it's always a good idea to check for any blood in your stool mm. because, you know, September is gynae cancer awareness month, but for, for a lot of abdominal pelvic cancers, blood in the stool can be an early warning sign. So always have a look before you flush and then you flush, you wash your hands and you're set up for a really good day. All right. I, I love what you said about looking. Uh, my little girl, when she was little, and nobody taught her this, but she would always look and she would <clears throat> she would say, oh, look, mom, it's such a pretty poo. Like almost every time, it's such a pretty oh. poo. And she yeah. came up with that on her own. One day she's going to listen to these podcasts and then she's going to kill me. Years of therapy ahead of her. <laughs> But I think she probably has a great career as a women's health physio ahead of her, you know, right? because she's yeah. got all the, all the, all the hallmarks there. She's unabashed. I mean, she has no choice growing up with me, just like you and no your daughter. Choice. No <laughs> choice. Either that or she's going to do like something so opposite. <laughs> uh, that'll be her method of rebelling. Possibly. But no, the same no. principle would apply, you know, to labor and delivery. Not that we're trying to push the baby out, but because it's the uterus, obviously, that's contracting and, and, and getting the baby right. out. But what we want to do is in, in a situation of labor and delivery, we want to stay out of the way of the uterus. So if we're making a noise, we're keeping the glottis open. Mm -hmm. The abdominals bracing is going to help facilitate the uterine contractions to get baby down and out. And then we want to have practiced a noise that lengthens our pelvic floor out of the way. So it's not tightening up and we're fighting against it. And we end up with some perineal damage, you know, unwittingly. Yeah. With my son, when he was born, and I mentioned earlier that I had a third degree tear. Um, with my daughter, I had an episiotomy. Uh, and to avoid a tear, they told me I couldn't see. Um, so I, I couldn't help but roar. Like, and I was like, <laughs> that is, it's I mean, natural. I mm. roared, but I still ended up with that tear. Um, mm. and I, cause people were telling me not to push in, in yeah. my head. I was like trying not to push. My body was pushing, but I was trying to hold him in, but I couldn't. And so there was this fight going on. And yeah. I really wonder if I would have ended up with that bad of a tear. If everybody had just shut up, gotten out of your way. Yeah, but they were waiting for the doctor because he wasn't there yet. Like we have a, one of the pictures of my son and it's, it's not the most tasteful picture, but it's kind of a cool image as he's coming out. The doctor is in the process of pulling his glove on as he catches his head. Because okay. I was like, forget, I mean, forget it. My body is, it's like a freight train. There's nothing there. I can't, but I was trying, but I can't, but I'm trying. And so that war in the pelvic floor muscles fighting the uterus I mean, what was I going to do? So I totally resonate it's with it. It's a vulnerable position, isn't it, you know, to be in yeah. because you know, you're, you're trying to listen to your body. And I think it's important to remember and to tell, tell our daughters moving forward as well, doctors don't deliver babies, women deliver babies, mm -hmm. you know, ourselves. Mm -hmm. And to stay out, of, stay out of their way and, yeah. you know, give them the space and the confidence to listen to their bodies, you know, mm -hmm. and then help, help if needed, you know, be there. But I think to really empower women to to understand particularly for first-time mums there's such a lot of fear and misunderstanding about the whole process of labor and delivery that I think if we if we educated first-time mums a little bit better and gave them that power uh, mm -hmm. and confidence to say no or yes mm -hmm. you know right. uh, and to make informed choices because you know I still think we're we're still a little bit in that old paternalistic model of oh we won't tell her that or oh we'll let the doctor decide that you know mm -hmm. and I just think yeah. it's it's to, to stay out of the way of, of birthing mums um, is probably one of the best things that we can do for them to inform them and then work with them um, mm -hmm. and not have them bend to our will. Yeah. And, and to loop that back around to the constipation thing, <laughs> when somebody's had, oh, because, because I yeah. see a direct correlation. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Is that it, when somebody's had a bad pooping experience, just like if they've had a traumatic birth, they can have a hard time releasing the next time. They yes. can have a hard time relaxing. They can have a hard time um, engaging in the experience Absolutely. and letting go and trusting their bodies. And, and my, I've experienced that 
and, and, and my family, my kids have, and I'm sitting there coaching as moms, we've all been, and I'm sure Chris, you've done this too, where you're sitting with your kid who's potty training and you're like, okay, (laughs) come on. (laughs) Tell me I'm not alone in this. Um, no, yes, you're totally alone. No one else has done that. (laughs) Nobody else does that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, I mean, like even as dads, though, as dads, you guys coach your kids through those things. Of course. Of course. That's why it's like all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, you know, when I said there's 7 billion people that are dealing with this daily, um, well, I'm not sure why it's so uh, off limits to talk about, but we did today. That's yes, we, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. What is the weirdest thing you've ever said to one of your kids that's having issues, Chris? Me? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. My, mine was like, it was just a couple weeks ago. I was like, what are you still doing in the bathroom? I got I'm pooping. Still? Yeah, it's. It's not coming out. <laughs> and I was like, just breathe and growl. And there, there and, you go. What? <laughs> but maybe he should, be, he should be hissing, Beth. Maybe he needs to hiss or to move. I know, they right? Need the sound no? coaching. They need the sound coaching. <laughs> well, <laughs> and how many times, though, have I also been guilty of saying, just push it out. Come on. Somebody else needs to use the bathroom. No more. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Give them the time and the space and, and the dietary fiber to have a happy, healthy bowel movement. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We don't want to, we don't want we don't want defecating to become a stressful um, experience for anybody. But uh, you know, for anybody listening who has small kids, it's really, really important that when you are toilet training small children to have bowel movements, that you have a little something underneath their feet, like a footstool or something like that, mm. because if kids are sitting on the toilet with their feet dangling, you know? Uh, mm, okay. you see, yeah, that makes sense. Like you said, you had me ground their, my feet. Yeah, they can't relax their pelvic floor. So they're actually going to be fighting against themselves. Right. So, you That's know, the a feet need to be flat on the ground. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's those little, little potting seats are nice. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we... um. Man, there's so many things I want to talk about. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I think we're out of time. But I'm like, I've got 59. We're just going to have to have you back again. Okay, then. Let's do it. That's a deal. Let's do it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pleasure. We could stay here all day talking about poop. But, you know, it's, <sighs> it's, it's so important. You know, literally, it's, you know, there's, there's a quote in my classes that I usually talk about. Um, you know, there's a couple of different quotes about pooping. But... I think, you know, there's, there was a film that came out in the, in the 90s, The Fisher King. Um, mm-hmm. It was Terry Gilliam. I think Robin Williams was in it as well. But there's a scene I haven't where seen Jeff that Bridges, one. I need to watch oh, it. You should. It's really good. And oh, This is the scene I want you to watch out for. Jeff Bridges comes out of the bathroom and, you know, the, the guys are all sitting around waiting for him. And they say, you know, how's it going? And he says, you know what? I just had a bowel movement and it was bordering on mystical. <laughs> I have a friend who makes um, vinyl signs and lately she's had this one and she's like, it's really popular and people put it in their bathrooms. It just says, have a nice poop. Perfect. Right. I love it. (laughs) I love it. What, What a lovely wish for everybody listening to this, you know, moving forward that we have a nice poop every day. Right. Or at least three times a week. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. At least three times. But you know what? I think, if you've only ever pooped every other day, don't try and change it. But I think, you know, I think it would be lovely to go at least once a day. Yes. And you really do feel better afterwards. You really do. And there's less, and then there's less pressure in your belly because there's less stuff taking up space. Absolutely. And that you're means you're going to have stuff, you know, yeah. waste products. It's not serving you anymore. Let it go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Release them. All right. <laughs> All Chris, right. we could go on forever. You're going to have to cut us off. Michelle, um, <laughs> let's do a quick transition to your favorite exercise right now in your life. We like to ask everybody what that is. I I love yoga. I'm I'm a bit of a yoga freak, so you know I, I love to kind of get let get down on the mat and do a little snap, crackle, and pop uh, along my spine. 
But honestly, it's just, it's such a gorgeous time of the year here. It's autumn. The leaves are starting to turn. Mm. It's, you know, it's that perfect kind of crisp blue skies, a little bit of a nip in the air. Um, when I'm trying to decide if it's too early to put out my Halloween decorations yet. Mm-hmm. And of course it's not, it never is. So, <laughs> uh, you know, a daily walk outside, getting some, some vitamin D, just yeah. clearing my head, putting in my earphones, listening to a good podcast like Fit to Be. Yeah. That's my favorite. Hey, hey. That's so awesome. I know. I, I, I used to kind of not like Halloween very much. <gasps> it just was icky to me. But then, but then wait, when I became a mom, and you would think I might've gotten a bit more stodgy about it, but it was actually the opposite. Cause I started looking at all the decorations like, Hey, skeletons. Oh my goodness. Look at all these great skeletons. I can teach anatomy with me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pelvic. I could take this thing apart and I'd have a nice little, I mean, not very accurate, but still there's one nice little pelvis here. And there's a well, it's great because I get to bring out all my office equipment out into the rest of the house to play, you know, and <laughs> in Ireland. So I feel, you know, that we have to kind of, you know, just keep spreading the Halloween, uh, the Halloween news and uh, get, get some anatomy models into everybody's life as decor. Yeah, do, you, mm-hmm. do you have anatomy within reach right now? Do you have some anatomy within, <laughs> within reach? Seriously, Beth? I know. Well, I, I'm totally baiting you. I know you do. So, you know, I have my little, my little skull and crow going on here. I've got, <laughs> of course, I've got, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I can bring oh, this hey. into the rest of the house. Hey. But, you know, maybe this is one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it. a little friendly poop just to remind everybody, you know, <laughs> pooping is your friend. Yes. It really yes. is. Yes, we need it out of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Better out of us, but we're very glad that that the function exists to get rid of things. Uh I've, I've, oh, wait, wait, here's what we need to end on. You know, my son came home, my son came home from school a couple years ago and was all upset that somebody had called him a butthole. And I, and I was like, well, they actually gave you a compliment. I mean, it's an amazing body part. It's highly sensory and it plays a very important role. I mean, if you didn't have one, can you imagine not having one? How, you know, how would you get rid of your poop? It's the best sphincter in the body. Well, then, of course, then he felt justified to start calling lots of people buttholes. And he's like, I'm just giving them a compliment. I'm like, hey, hold on. Yeah, that's just backfired. And I'm like, don't call people that. And he's like, but mom, you said it was a compliment. Like, yeah, but most <laughs> other people don't understand that. They're not going to take it as a compliment. It's a private compliment, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just in your head. You oh, my goodness. Ah, raising boys is interesting. Fun, okay. Fun. Michelle, yeah. thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, Pleasure as always, Chris. It. We're going to have to uh, have another episode um, because these are always so absolutely informative and entertaining. That's what it's and fun, <laughs> yes, yes. Who knows where we'll go next time? <laughs> I <laughs> am looking forward to finding out. Okay. Michelle, where can, I go, where can our guests find you really quick as we close up? Um, my website is celebratemuleabrity.com. So as I've said before, muleabrity is an old English word that means uh, the art and state of being a woman. So we have to celebrate that. So come and join me at celebratemuleabrity.com. And we'll link that in the show notes. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, if that didn't reroute some of your neural pathways, I don't know what will. Now be sure to follow us on Instagram at fit to be studio on Twitter at fit to be and on Facebook via fit to be tummy safe fitness and subscribe to this podcast. So you get them when they first release. Now go release your hamstrings and calves. I show you how to do that in quite a few workout videos over at fit to be.com. So see you there.